From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Carl Blaylock. Hi, hello, 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 and welcome into the WATH studios. Carl Blaylock with you, and joining me via the telephone is WUB Sports Director, Mr. Aiden Crowley. Aiden, how are you doing on this uh, first day of classes Monday? Doing great, Carl. Excited to get back into the grind of everything, and thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. Absolutely. So you got to travel down to Snapdragon Stadium uh, this weekend for San Diego State, Ohio. And I guess first, I mean, talk about the stadium facilities. I mean, it's just been built over the last, I think this is the second season. Uh, it's built in the, in the parking lot of old Jack Murphy and Qualcomm Stadium. Uh, what's, what's the facilities like down there in San Diego? Well, any facilities and any football field that has palm trees right around it, I'm here for. Uh, it was a beautiful venue. Uh, they had this skywalk kind of bar thing, uh, one of the end zones that overlooked the field that I thought was very unique and very cool. Overall, it was just a great environment. I mean, it was upper 70s, low 80s, and sunny at kickoff. Um, just not a cloud in the sky. Pretty much exactly what you wanted for San Diego weather. So I don't have a complaint on any front when it comes to the location of the game and the facility and everything like that. Yeah, I think it was actually warmer here on Saturday than what is over there, especially after that heat wave. Yeah, especially when you factor in that humidity. That was the difference. Uh, we touched down in San Diego, and you walk outside, and it, it felt different. The air felt uh, a little lighter, if you know what I mean, Carl. Absolutely. Getting to the game, I mean, it was really close in that first quarter. It seemed like Ohio just kept having they kept having chances that they were not able to convert. Yeah, absolutely. That seems to kind of be the theme a lot for that offense like you mentioned carl they had no trouble moving the football it's once they got into the red zone and deeper into aztec territory that's when they started running into issues we talked to head coach tim alvin after the game he didn't make a lot of excuses he did say that san diego State's secondary is long and they play tighter coverage as you get closer to the end zone so the windows kind of close a little bit more it's tighter gaps and then that front seven for San Diego State was wreaking havoc. They're one of the best in the country, posting a top ten, top twenty defense. Excuse me, last season, and I, I just think it was difficult for Ohio, especially in a week zero game. You know, you're kind of knocking a little bit of the rust off once you get inside uh, Aztec territory. It starts tightening up a little bit, and I think they felt that on Saturday. I, it forced a field goal early in that game, and then obviously. Uh, in the first half, the the big the biggest key of this game was the Curtis Rourke injury getting hurt on a sack. And, and can you talk a little bit about what you saw from that and really what the feeling was on the sideline when he got hurt? Absolutely. It was uh, almost like the 
sideline, the, the energy and the life almost got sucked out of that sideline. Everybody was holding their breath once Rourke went down. Obviously, you had the ACL tear last season. He was coming back quickly, a little bit ahead of schedule. He's a gamer. He's someone who wants to be out there. He pushes himself to be out there. And so when he went down and he was slow to get up, the concern obviously shifted towards that knee. Maybe he hurt that. Um, obviously, as we found out, it had nothing to do with his leg. But obviously, I think when injuries do happen, we tend to jump to the worst-case scenario. Um, he went to the medical tent uh, where he got checked out. He came out, and I will say he was emotional when he came out. Like I mentioned, this guy is a true competitor. He's someone who wants to be in the game. It was frustrating, I'm sure, for him. Coach Tim Alvin mentioned after the game he wanted to go back into the game. He felt good enough to be back in the game. They wanted to be precautionary with him. They wanted to hold him out, especially considering the injury a season ago. Um, so he went back to the locker room, changed into street clothes, and was done for the day. And I think that's kind of when you felt the momentum shift in that game. It was an unfortunate thing for Rourke, who obviously was very excited to get back out there with his guys. And it was just an unfortunate, kind of awkward injury. But I think Ohio was erring on the side of caution when it came to the decision of, do we put Rourke back in there? Do we push him? It's week zero. Obviously, you have LIU next week. Um, so it's just a lot of moving parts. And it was kind of a whirlwind couple days. Um, but we're just happy that he's able to be back out there on the field Saturday. Absolutely. And you look at... Uh, the drive summary because after Rourke got hurt, that was uh, that was late in the first quarter, uh, and after Rourke gets hurt, it's kind of all right. What what happens from here? C.J. Harris comes in, and unfortunately, his his first play is an interception as he gets hit hard. And I I think that's one thing that I haven't seen us talked about as much about this game is the offensive line play. If there was one really big weakness in the Bobcats, it was the offensive line play. A lot yeah, of sacks. Yeah, they have an experienced group uh, up front there. I think the main thing was, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, San Diego State's front seven is very athletic, and they attack the quarterback. That's kind of what they're known for. And Coach Tim Alvin compared it to prepping for a triple option offense. Obviously, um, when you're prepping for a triple option offense, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of moving parts, and it's very difficult. It makes defensive coordinators have nightmares. You know what I mean? So that's how it felt for head coach Tim Alvin to prepare for this Aztec defense because they move guys around a lot. They bring different pressure packages, and I think it showed um, on that offensive line when it came to communication of which guy did we pick up, um, and I think that's why uh, you see the numbers and the pressure numbers that you see and I mean that is something that especially it is a week zero I think it's something that if it is a week two a week three a week four you might worry a little bit more about but with a week zero game I'm playing an offensive line in high school and it gets even more so the farther you go up up the ladder uh, to college and to the professional level you gotta you gotta have some time to gel with your offensive line even even if it's just off the season you know even if it's a lot of returners you still gotta 
be able to gel with those people, and I, maybe that wasn't something that was completely there, and it was a tough test uh, week one again, or week zero against San Diego State. Ohio still actually had the momentum up until right before the end of the half, a an interception uh, deep in San Diego State territory, doomed to drive, and San Diego State turned around and with under a minute uh, was able to go 71 yards for a touchdown. Uh, and that was really the big momentum shift uh, right at the end of the half. Yeah, Carl, absolutely. That felt like the moment where everything changed. That interception late in the second quarter, like you mentioned, they marched down the field and they, they scored six. That was the momentum change. That, again, when you have two teams that are pretty evenly matched, and I think these two teams were, uh, turnovers are going to be huge in deciding this game. Um, and for them to go down and score a touchdown on top of that, um, I think that was one of the deciding factors in this game. Even still, um, Coach Tim Alvin mentioned that they this is a team that's been in those kinds of situations before. He felt like they were in an okay spot going into the break, but like you mentioned, it was just a huge momentum swing, and it looked like they took a while to kind of fight out of that hole. Absolutely. The Bobcats did come out of the second half. They did have a a very quality uh, drive, 19-play, 62-yard drive that took up about half the third quarter but unfortunately resulted in a missed field goal from uh, new kicker, uh, Spectic. So obviously that's not exactly what you want, but Ohio really stayed in this game a lot longer than they should. We talked about the defense, but also just the tenacity of this team. I mean, after uh, going down 20-6, to it looked like it might be a game that was about over, but Ohio was able to fight back. They were able to score a touchdown late, uh, force a turnover on downs after that touched, after a failed onside kick, and they were within possession to, or with very much in position to try to win the game at the very end with C.J. Harris, a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we learned anything from last year, Carl, it's that this team doesn't know the definition of quit. You know, any team I feel like on that second touchdown score uh, for the Aztecs, they kind of roll over and give up. That's not what this Bobcats team does. They will fight to the final whistle every single time, no matter the score. And like you said, they made it interesting. Uh, San Diego State made an interesting call to go for it on that fourth down play and a big stop from this defense once again, who I think really stole the show on Saturday with how well this defense played. And like you mentioned, T.J. Harris had a chance to go down there and tie the game. So for them to even be in that position to begin with, especially turning the ball over three times to just San Diego State's one, I think that obviously is something positive that this team can take into future games. They've been in these tight game situations, and last year and uh, this week zero game, but they will not give up no matter the score. And I think that's just kind of the DNA and the culture that's within the walls at Peden Stadium. Looking at uh, look looking at that defense, we've talked about them a lot, and that was something that coming into the season, you know, in the preseason, people kind of thought that was going to be a little bit of a weakness of this Bobcat team. Yeah, absolutely. You lose a guy like Kai Caesar on that defensive line, the heart and soul of this defense there are some question marks and obviously you have a younger um you have a younger dp room and there's question marks on that uh aspect of the defense as well 
Obviously, Bryce Houston and Key Thompson are your two constants that are going to be coming back and making a huge impact, and they did on Saturday. But Torrey Cox was also out on Saturday. And so there was just a lot of things that weren't really going in the defense's favor, but it didn't matter. They came out and they showed out. Uh, Bryce Houston specifically 13 tackles on the day. He was an animal out there for the Bobcats. And Austin Brawley, uh, who was in uh, on that secondary, the safety position, he had the fumble recovery and four tackles. He played a terrific game. I think it was a pleasant surprise for a lot of Bobcat fans to see how well that defense was playing, especially when you consider how the offense obviously wasn't really clicking and they um, turned the ball over a couple times, like we mentioned already. To only give up 20 points, I think, was huge, a huge confidence boost for Spence Nowitzki and that defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. Now, now flipping ahead to this weekend and the Bobcats' home opener week one against the LIU Sharks, an FCS opponent, and uh, you got an update this morning from Coach Tim Albin at his uh, weekly Monday press conference on Curtis Rorick. Yeah, when obviously the first question out of any reporter's mouth in that room is, what do we know about Curtis? Because there was a lot of gray area and a little bit of ambiguity. Uh, Tim Albin came in quickly, and he shut a lot of that down. He said that Curtis did not need to get an X-ray. He was okay and that he will play on Saturday against LIU, which was a surprise for me, for sure. A pleasant surprise, absolutely. Um, And it seems like Curtis will be good to go. Um, And obviously, head coach Tim Alvin was in bright spirits about that information that he was ready to share. What else do you think you'll we'll see from the Bobcats in their uh, matchup against an FCS opponent? Uh, a little bit uh, lighter FCS opponent, not as tough as last year with Fordham, LIU, kind of middle of the pack, 500 FCS team. What do you expect to see uh, out of the Bobcats against the Sharks? Yeah, I think for Coach Tim Alvin, it was kind of funny. Uh, we joked a little bit because I asked, does it feel like your team almost gets to take a breath? Uh, going into this week obviously each week matters every game is as important as the other ones on their schedule but like you mentioned the middle of the road fcs school almost an opportunity to take a breath and uh head coach uh alvin uh, chuckled a little bit and he said well if you kind of know our history um we have to take every game uh like it matters um every single game matters the most obviously i just think that um seeing curtis out there again will be great to see for the Bobcats. Hopefully they go out there and they handle business and maybe Curtis's day is done in the first half. Um, but I just want to see the offense kind of find their groove because I think the defense showed that they are ready uh, for this upcoming season and this challenge that has a lot of expectations. But I think the offense kind of slowed and they need to kind of pick up their weight a little bit Um if they want to be successful and they want to return to Detroit, which is obviously the end goal of this team, and then they're very, very talented, and I think that they can get back there. It's just going to be a matter of all sides of the ball clicking at the right time. So I think the offense kind of getting into gear, starting to move the ball, um, Curtis obviously coming back. You thought maybe there would be some rust after the ACL tear. There wasn't really a whole lot of rust uh, from Rourke in the first couple drives that we've seen. Uh, getting Jacoby Jones back hopefully will be big. That will be kind of a week of decision for the Bobcats. Um, but overall, I just think 
Ohio needs a chance to almost take a breath, if that makes sense, Carl. Absolutely. Uh, looking at the MAC as a whole, I mean, there's some real interesting games. Week one, normally in the MAC, it's a, it's a, it's always a little bit of a mix of teams playing FCS opponents and teams playing Power Five opponents. And then there's a lot of Power Five opponents being played. It starts Thursday night, Kent State at UCF. Uh, Central Michigan taking on Michigan State, the Battles of the Miami, Ball State's at Kentucky, Northern Illinois' at Boston College, Buffalo's at Wisconsin, Toledo's at Illinois. And what do you think, what are the games that most, most intrigue you out of that max slate uh, for week one? Yeah, Carl, I think this is a, a loaded week one schedule, kind of what you mentioned. I think the one I'm most excited for, I think, is one that a lot of people are excited for. I think it's that Miami versus Miami contest. I think that would be big. I think Miami, Ohio has a chance to be one of the better teams in the MAC. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a tall task against a good uh, Miami team, but just kind of a benchmark for them, I think, will be a good game. And then, obviously, those Toledo Rockets, uh, who received some top 25 votes uh, going into the season, they didn't earn enough to make it into the top 25, obviously, but just for them, a max school, to earn some top 25 votes, earn some respect. They have a lot of returning guys, especially at quarterback and on that defensive side of the ball. I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of team they roll out against Illinois, and I think that could be a competitive ball game. Yeah, that was the game that I had kind of circled as the upset of the week. Although, the Miami game, the Miami-Miami game, is it's so strange because um, – the Miami of Florida has been dropping, they dropped a diss track on Miami of Ohio. And on one side, I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, boo Miami, boo Oxford. But at the same time, you are the you, and you're dropping a diss track against a Mac school. What are you doing there? <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't even see anything on that. Um, I think my gut reaction is, that's kind of amazing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what you mentioned is Miami, Ohio, um, just to have that go into this game, to add another layer uh, into this game, I think is awesome. I'm here for it, um, but it's going to be a matter of if you can back it up, because obviously if it doesn't go well for Miami, Florida, um, that's a very memeable moment. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it. It. I. I, I guess people down in Miami, uh, Florida, have uh, too much time on their hands to drop a diss track against <laughs> the Red Hawks. Come on. <laughs> I. That's amazing. Yeah. Who else do you think might have a chance out of uh, Central Michigan against Michigan State? Uh, Northern is Northern Illinois going to be good this year? They play against Boston College. I, I think that's a winnable. I think that's a winnable game for the MAC. Uh, they're minus nine on the line, and obviously last year the MAC had a little bit of a tough season uh, playing some Power Five opponents last year. Obviously, I think the I can't think of any victories last year for the MAC from that, and the only win I could think of, or the only one that really was any sort of competitive was Toledo against Ohio State, where they put up thirty-five points against that Buckeye defense, but. Do you think that the MAC can get grab a few wins this year, unlike how they had last year? Obviously, we talked about Toledo, Illinois, but any other opportunities? You think? I think absolutely. I think Ohio and Toledo, I think have kind of separated themselves a little bit from the rest of the MAC. Uh, I like them personally as two picks that potentially make some noise. 
Um, obviously, Ohio plays Iowa State uh, later on in their non-conference schedule. Um, but for Northern Illinois' standpoint, um, obviously they had the run in 2022, um, but they, or excuse me, um, 2021. Uh, but they, their 2022 campaign, if I can get my years right, Carl, uh, they had a three and nine season. They kind of took a step back a little bit. Um, and I expect them to kind of be a middle of the road team again in the MAC. Um, but I think Ohio and Toledo have kind of separated themselves. I think Miami, Ohio, um, has a chance to make some noise. Um, but I kind of look in the MAC at, for tiers. And for right now, I just believe that Toledo and Ohio have kind of separated themselves. That's kind of the boring answer. Um, but that's just kind of what I believe and what I hold to be true um, in this wacky conference <laughs> absolutely and, and hopefully hopefully we can grab a few wins as a conference uh against some power five opponents and some very good uh, group of five opponents as well bowling green against liberty akron against temple it'll be a fun weekend to watch mac football and i really think like my 7 30 viewing i think 7 30 viewing time i'll have uh toledo illinois on one tv and we'll throw North Carolina, South Carolina on the other TV. you got to start planning that out. Uh, your weekend TV plans for which games you're going to watch where, how many screens am I going to set up, etc. For college football Saturday, full college football Saturday coming up in just, man, it, it's, it's just five days away, four days away. It's at the end of this weekend. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? That's, I mean, you just saying that makes me excited. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> Ohio Ohio obviously getting that week zero game. It was a weird sort of thing where you were prepping for a game earlier than normal and so it almost feels like week two, but around the rest of the landscape being week one and having all these big games back is gonna be awesome. That especially that L S U Florida State game, I think that's the one I'm most looking forward to as as well as probably everybody else in the country. Um but just to have it back, having a full slate, I will be parked in front of my TV um, or once the Ohio game is done, uh, and I'll be locked into a lot of these games. Absolutely, as will I. Aiden Crowley, WUB Sports Director, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Carl. It was a blast. Absolutely. When we come back, we're going to talk Major League Baseball. The Reds, can they recover after... Uh, Losing a series 3-1 to against the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll look at the wild card picture in Major League Baseball and more when we come back on the Sports Fan presented by J&K Contracting. This Friday, the Athens Bulldogs face their first road test of the season as they take on the Marietta Tigers in a high school football showdown. Can the Bulldogs get revenge from last season's loss to the Tigers? We will find out on Friday. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.45 p.m. with Cedric Granger and Matt Frazee on 970 WATH. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker-dealer and is independent of RJFS. I lost my brother. I lost my sister. I lost my best friend. Each year, Ohio loses some of its best and brightest to train car accidents. Everyone knows that crossing is bad. Stop signs and crossbucks just aren't enough. 
How can you help? Report bad crossings at angelsontrack.org. That's angelsontrack.org. Because bad crossings kill good drivers. Sponsored by Angels on Track, aired by OAB and this station. Now, for more of the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. This is the Sports Fan on WATH. Carl Blaylock with you in the WATH studios. Just had Aiden Crowley, uh, WUB Sports Director, on talking about San Diego State, Ohio, and there were some really interesting games on. I was not impressed. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll sweep through the college football slate uh, super quickly here, but I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was not impressed by USC. Um, you know, you look at the score, final score of that game, and it was 56-28. They kind of pulled away in the end. Williams had a four... Four touchdowns, 278 yards, but just uh, it was 20. It was 21 14 with San Jose State, and San Jose State last year was not that good of a team. Obviously, you're going to have the offense with USC. I, I think that's absolutely a given. But I'm not. I'm not sold on that defense, and I think that's going to cost them some games. I don't think they make the college football playoff. Looking at some other games uh, from Saturday. Uh, Notre Dame took on Navy. Uh, Notre Dame rolled over Navy, in fact, over in Ireland, 42-3. to Sam Hartman looks legit, but I think the uh, the really the star of that game for the Fighting I- Irish was Audric Estemi, the uh, running back, junior running back out of Nilac, New York, 16 carries, 95 yards, a touchdown. He was a bowling ball out there. He looked really good. Uh, a few other games: Jacksonville State, UTEP. Uh, there was so many former Ohio or former Michigan coaches. You had Brady Hoke coaching San Diego State. Uh, Jacksonville State was ho- ho- uh, coached by Rich Rodriguez. Remember him? And uh, they get a win though over UTEP, seventeen to fourteen. In the quote-unquote sickos game of the week, you had Massachusetts beating New Mexico State. 41-36. That was a really solid game, honestly. It was uh, UMass looked pretty good, so I'm interested to see what happens when it comes to uh, the rest of the season for the Minutemen, but they looked good. They looked really, really good, so we'll see if they can keep that up um, throughout the rest of the year. But, uh, yeah, very solid uh, for both teams, really. Uh, you look at the, you know, you look at New Mexico State, and they're looking pretty solid as well with uh, Jerry Kill on as their head coach. Louisiana Tech beat Florida International 22-17 to in the Conference USA matchup. And uh, Vanderbilt beat Hawaii 35-28. That game was just funny because you looked at, uh, Vandy Stadium. It didn't have an end zone. It had cranes holding up the uh, scoreboard in the end of the stadium. You had uh, Hawaii's locker room was a tent, which did not bode well when you have a uh, when you have <laughs> thunderstorms in the area. The tent's not going to work. But uh, yeah, Vanderbilt gets the win, 35-28. Hawaii might have a solid season this year. 
their quarterback, uh, 351 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, that is Braden Schrager. So eh, that's a solid outing. We'll see uh, what happens for the rest of the season with the Rainbow Warriors. Moving over to baseball, as promised, and uh, there's not too many. There's not too many. Uh, Divisional races still kind of heating up. You still got the Orioles and the Rays. That's a two-game uh, split right now between the Orioles and the Rays in the American League East. The Central twins up by six games over the Guardians. The AL West is the one exception as the Mariners, the Rangers, and the Astros. The Mariners, 9-1 and one in their last uh, 10 games. They've only lost, I think they're on like, they've won 11 of 12, I do believe. They are now in the lead, a game above the Rangers and the Astros. The Rangers are 1-9 in their last 10. Meanwhile, the Astros are 4-6 in their last 10. In the National League, the Braves uh, pretty much have the AL East. They lead by 12.5 games as they have the best record in baseball. The Brewers lead the NL Central by four games. They've won eight straight games. And uh, they lead by four over the Cubs and six over the Cincinnati Reds. And in the AL West, the Dodgers have opened up a big gap. They lead by 12 games over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Moving over to the wild card standings uh, in the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays are way ahead with the Rangers and the Astros tied for the second and third wild card spots. Uh, the Blue Jays are two and a half games back. In the wild card, the Red Sox are still kind of hanging there, four and a half games back. But I think for the most part, the Blue Jays are the only team that in the American League that are not in, uh, that isn't currently in the wild card spot that has a chance at the wild card spot. Uh, looking at looking at the National League, the Phillies lead with uh, three and a half games ahead of the cutoff line. That is over the Chicago Cubs, who are a half game ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is the cutoff line. Uh, the San Francisco Giants and the Cincinnati Reds are a game and a half back with the Marlins three games back. As uh, We'll talk a little bit more about that after the break. You're listening to The Sports Fan, presented by JNK Contracting football friday kickoff we're on the road from alumni stadium to preview all the huge games on tap in week three including vinton county at trimble and fairland taking on ironton and of course we'll have extended previews and featured content from jackson for the ironman's showdown versus wheelersburg all this and more on football friday kickoff live from alumni stadium in jackson friday at five on pure rock 105 wxtq Total Media Radio's Pure Rock 98.7 WYRO and Pure Rock 105 XTQ FM proudly present the rent-to-own homegrown happy hour with Ben Davis Jr. Live from the porch at Raleigh Smokehouse in Jackson. Two, three! Rent-to-own homegrown happy hour with Ben Davis Jr. continues this Thursday night with Cincinnati's American folk sensation, Buffalo Wobs and the Price Hill Hustle. Maybe you might win. Bet on Super Bowl. 
If you're looking for a great evening out, come join us on the porch at Rowdy's and be a part of the musical journey while enjoying a great Rowdy Smokehouse dinner. And of course, it's happy hour, so Rowdy's will have some great drink specials too. Rentone Homegrown Happy Hour with Ben Davis Jr. is brought to you this week by Red Woof Inn Dog Kennels. It's like a vacation for your four-legged friends. Only on Pure Rock 98.7 WYRO, Pure Rock 105 XTQFM, and around the world on the Total Media Radio app. When I left the military, I was excited for a fresh start, but civilian life has been harder than I thought it would be. Figuring out a new career while also being a good mom, wife, and friend, some days I'm barely keeping my head above water. I finally realized that it's hurting my mental health. To get back to enjoying life again, I needed to get help. Discover how other women veterans like me have learned to thrive after military service by taking care of themselves and their mental health. Visit maketheconnection.net slash women veterans. Local teams, local opinions, the sports fan on 970 WATH. This is a sports fan, Carl Blaylock, with you inside the WATH studios. Uh, looking at the National League wildcard picture, the Reds are a game and a half back of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And unfortunately, they dropped a few games against Arizona this weekend, uh, uh, falling uh, three games to one in a four game set, losing three to two in game one, 10 to eight in game two. They won eight to seven in game three in extra innings. But fell on Sunday, five to two, and it, it's—I'm not sure what to think about, to be honest. When it comes to the, uh, when it comes to the Reds, because this was a team that was supposed, it was way ahead of schedule. Uh, let's be honest. Did anyone seriously think that we were going to be in playoff contention uh, back on March thirtieth? I, I, I can count myself as no. Uh, I, I really thought that this was a team that wasn't going to do anything. And then, lo and behold, they, they had an incredible summer, but once again ran out of gas. But this isn't like 2021. As much as it feels like 2021, 2021 was the last chance for those guys. This is not the last chance for these guys. They're going to be going on for a while. Maybe the last chance for Joey Votto, and I am sad about that. Joey deserved better than what he got in Cincinnati for a lot of his career. But for a lot of these guys, they're going to be right back. And I think that's going to bode really well for the Reds' future. But it still stings a little bit to not be able to get there this season. Now, the one thing that the Reds do have is, well, once again, they have a very important series uh, starting tonight. That is tonight, right? Yeah, yep, that's tonight. Against the San Francisco Giants as uh, they take on the Giants. 9.45 p.m. Join time here on the Reds Radio Network will be at 9.15. It's Andrew Abbott versus Kyle Harrison. Uh, I would say that Abbott has the advantage with his 3.16 ERA, 8-3. Uh, compared to Harrison, he's only, um, is that an, o- actually, is he, is he an opener? Or is he just young? Um, on the season, he's only, I think he's just young. Uh, he did start, yes. So he went three in his debut, it looks like. He went three and a third, five hits, two runs, uh, one home run, one walk, five strikeouts. Um, he is a 22-year-old uh, left-handed pitcher. 
So you, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get out of Kyle Harrison. He could he could actually pitch the ball really well. We'll see what he does, but uh, that's tonight's pitching matchup, and it's a must-win game for the Reds. Uh, the Pi- the the Giants are right with them, step in step with for the wild card. They're both at a game and a half back of Arizona. Uh, now the difference is looking at the Giants' schedule. The Giants have a lot tougher schedule down the down the end of the uh, season than the Reds. I mean, you look at the red schedule, and there's a lot of easier games uh, down the stretch. They After this Giants series, they have a four-game set against the Cubs. Very important. They have a three-game set against Seattle. Very important. But after that, St. Louis, Detroit, the Mets, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and finishing out again with St. Louis. So, like, from Labor Day on... From about Labor Day on, the toughest team they play is probably Minnesota. And that is a stretch that the Reds can really speed through at the end. They might still sneak into a playoff spot, but you have to beat the teams that you are facing right there in the wild card. And at the moment, they have not. They weren't able to beat Arizona, so they have to beat Chicago, and they have to beat San Francisco. So these next 10 games from today to Wednesday, September 6th, are probably the most important games of this red season. If they come out of this stretch 6-4, um, 7-3, and, four, seven and three, I think they make the playoffs. If they don't, season's over. Try to get over a 500 record, but that's all you got. Now, you compare that to the Giants' schedule down the stretch. The Giants' schedule down the stretch, they still have to play. Uh, they've got... Three games set against Cincinnati. Four games set against San Diego. Uh, three games set at Chicago. They play Colorado. They play Cleveland. More against Colorado. Two against Arizona. Four against Los Angeles. Three against San Diego, and three more against Los Angeles. So they got to play the Dodgers seven times in the last ten games of the season. That bodes really well for the Reds. Uh, compare that to so that that's a really good. That, that's better than the red schedule. They're going to have a tough time down the stretch. Also, looking at the Diamondbacks' schedule, who they play the Dodgers tonight, you have the Dodgers, the Orioles, the Rockies. That's pretty easy. Four games set at Chicago. Four games set at the Mets. A home against Chicago again. A two-game set against San Francisco. Uh, three games at the Yankees. Three games at the White Sox. And to finish off the season against the Astros. Once again, that, that's tougher than the Reds. So if if the Reds can come out of here decently clean, and we'll even look at the Cubs schedule here. If the Reds can power through this and get even six wins might be able to put them in position. Because you look at the Cubs, they've got a series against the Brewers. That's important for the division. Then they've got that aforementioned four-game set against the Reds. Then they play... I mean, they have a real important stretch coming up because they play all their wild card teams. They've got seven games against Arizona uh, in the next few. They've got four games against Cincinnati over next weekend, uh, three games against San Francisco. They've got seven games from September 7th to September 17th against Arizona. Then they sandwiches a series at Colorado. 
They have Pittsburgh, Colorado again. Then they finish the season at Atlanta and at Milwaukee. That's a lot tougher than what the Red schedule is. So if the Reds can get through this 10-game stretch, they might find themselves, they really might find themselves in playoff position. But they have to get through this 10-game stretch with at least six wins. They got to win each of these series and win, win the series, not split the series against Chicago. Albeit, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but you got you got to win, win the series. I I think at least uh, we'll see what the Reds can do. But that's this is a season right here. These next ten games are going to decide how the Reds play for the rest of the season. And looking at the pitching matchup, at least for um, against San Francisco, I don't think tomorrow's is very favorable. You got Alex Cobb, who at home, he's 4-2 with 2.25 ERA and 50 strikeouts. He's going up against Brandon Williamson, who, albeit, has looked a lot better in, the la- in, his, uh, in a few of his last few starts. He, gave a, he went six scoreless against the Diamondbacks. But he's still a little bit inconsistent. You know, every, like, third start, which luckily this will be the second start, but still about every third start he kind of blows up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Reds tonight and how long they can keep their bullpen off the field. Because that's what cost them on Sunday was they the, the bullpen came on the field. They Bell left... Uh, Ashcraft out a little bit too long. Then they brought the bullpen into the bullpen imploded. Ian Jabreau came out. He couldn't do anything. Then they brought in uh, Lucas Sims, and he couldn't do anything. So, and that's going to be priority number one for the Reds. This is a win. This is a win mode team now. In this offseason, we need to get bullpen help. That is a non-negotiable. We need to get some good relievers that aren't. We're not scra- So we're not scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, when it comes to bullpen production, I mean, that's kind of what killed them in uh, 21, and it, it's kind of what's killing them this year as well. But we'll, we'll see what happens. So, I don't know. It, it It's got to be now for the Reds. Looking at a few other uh, divisional races, I still cannot believe – how good the Mariners are playing right now. They are playing like the best team in baseball by far. And I think that's good for baseball. I'm, I'm happy that the Mariners are playing like they are. I mean, this is a team that, you know, last year was their first playoff appearance in 21 years. And now they're going to have back-to-back playoff appearances. Cal Raleigh is very good as a power bat. Julio Rodriguez is very solid as just an all-around bat. They've got some very good arms in Luis Castillo, a former Red, and a few others as well. I mean, that's exactly who you want if you're the Seattle Mariners. So we'll take our uh, final break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of NFL as the preseason has wrapped up. We'll look at uh, who goes where in the NFL as we'll get to uh, our NFL predictions later on in the week. But For the moment, we'll just look and see what we think about the preseason, who will be good, who won't, as this is a sports fan presented by J&K Contracting. 
Tune in Friday night for the Athens County Game of the Week on Pure Rock 105. This week, it's a cross-divisional battle between conference title contenders as Trimble hosts Vinton County. Coverage will start at 5 p.m. with Football Friday kickoff with the coaches show at 6.30 and kickoff at 7. It's the Vikings and the Tomcats Friday night on Pure Rock 105. Here's what's going on. The Ohio University Diabetes Institute and Ohio Health are teaming up to offer a free diabetes self-management education program called Engage to support individuals living with diabetes in southeastern Ohio. There will be interactive meetings for eight weeks and cover topics like healthy eating, exercise, medication, preventing complications, and stress management. At the end of the weekly meetings, participants will have a six-month follow-up assessment. The Engage program begins on September 11th. Want to learn more and get started with the Engage Diabetes Self-Management Education Program? Just call the Diabetes Institute at 740-566-0608 or email diabetesinstitute at ohio.edu. Join the Clubhouse on Saturday, September 30th at 9 a.m. for the 5th Annual Wake Up for Recovery Breakfast Fundraiser at the John W. Clem Recovery House. Last year, the Clem House helped over 100 residents on their journey to recovery. With your help, they can continue to provide safe, supportive housing for men striving for sobriety in our community, just like they have since 2006. The breakfast will be held at 8044 Dairy Lane. For more information, call 740-593-3797. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Now, for more of the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. This is the Sports Fan, Carl Blaylock, and I'm now joined on the phone by my dad, Carson Blaylock. Happy late birthday, Dad, by the way. It's birthday yesterday, but uh, and it's time to do the grid a little bit. Ooh, what was that? Yeah. Long and windy I guess. I don't know what that was, but... Uh, uh, anyways, though, it, it should be uh, really uh, – what do you think about the NFL season this year, Dad? I always forget. You're a Browns fan. Uh, do you think your Browns will be any good this year? That depends on the quarterback, so that's a lot of it. Are, are, you, yeah, are, you, big, are you a big DTR, uh, Dorian Thomas Robinson, Thompson Robinson, uh, their uh, quarterback out of UCLA they picked up as a rookie. He, he looked really solid in the preseason. Obviously, you're not going to – you you picked up you made your bed with the sixty four million dollar man in uh, yeah, Deshaun Watson, but yeah, maybe. there's a future there probably. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, let's let's get to the grid, and the grid today is Diamondbacks, Gold Gloves, Cy Young on the top, and on the side the Tigers, the Guardians, and the Oakland Athletics. And uh, we already figured out one. We're gonna go Tigers, Diamondbacks. We're gonna go Justin Upton. You can put a few people there, but. Uh, Upton played for both. 
13%. I'm guessing J.D. Martinez was the other one that was off the top of my head, but uh, he would have been a lot higher. Uh, looking at Guardians Diamondbacks, I've got another one, as Dribble Cabrera. Remember him? Yep. So he he he's on there. And if I can find where he's at, there he is. Yep, 6%. So then we just need Diamondbacks and Athletics, which I think Justin Upton would work for as well. But uh, eh, this might be a little bit him. tougher. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we already used him. Used. Yeah. Well, well, maybe we'll come back to that one. Uh, Tiger Cy Young. And we were talking about this earlier a, a little bit. Danny McLean. Danny McLean? Yeah, he's, he'll be high because he was a 30-game winner. Yeah, surprisingly not. 13. Well, everybody's going to put Justin Verlander, Dad. Oh, you were? <laughs> Everyone, everyone's going to put Justin higher. Verlander. So, yeah, 13% yeah. for Denny McLean. Uh, Guardian Cy Young, we can go Shane Bieber. We can go uh, Corey Kluber. Or can you pull somebody from farther Sebastian. back? Sebastian. Huh? Sebastian. Sebastian? Who's that? CC. Oh, Sabathia. Did he win? I don't, think he, I don't think he won one in... Uh, I don't think he won one in... He won before he lived. He won one before he went to the Yankees. I thought he won it with the Brewers. Uh oh. I know he won one with the Brewers. Did he win two? Or Cliff Lee. Cliff Lee, yeah, Cliff Lee. I was thinking about him too. We'll put Cliff Lee. He did thirteen percent. Uh, A Cy Young, Vita Blue, right? We got to put Vita Blue. I don't know if Catfish Hunter did or not. Uh, he might, I'm more confident in Vita Blue. I so, know Vita Blue did. We know Vita Blue did. I don't. I we'll, we'll look that up later. I don't think he did. I don't think Catfish Hunter did. I think he got so second. I don't think he did either. So, I was thinking um, Stewart might have though. Yeah. Oh, he might have. I put Vita Blue down yeah, though. So yeah, uh, let's go. Tigers Golden Glove. You got to think Austin Jackson, right? Did he win one? What about Tremble? Trouble. Tramwell? Trouble. Trouble. Trouble? Uh yeah, he was with um oh, who was the other one? Um uh, it's a shortstop uh second base combination that was one of the best in the majors at the time. During I, the eighties. What was his first name? Trammel. 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 Sorry, Trammel. Alan Trammel. Yes. All right. I mean I'll go for it. He did, 25%. Uh, then Cleveland Gold Glove. Hmm. I think Jose Ramirez did it. Oh, Vizquel. That's an easy one. Omar Vizquel. Huh? Yeah. He had to have. He did, 24%. So we just got two more to get the perfect grid, the uh, immaculate grid. Uh, A's okay. Golden Glove. Um, A's Golden Glove. Would Ricky win a Golden Glove? How how good was he? He was a center fielder, wasn't he? He was a center fielder. I was thinking they had some other center fielders out at that time, too, though. Not, you know, not for the A's, but... Yeah. Uh, let me think. Um, I, didn't, I don't know if Gene Tennis did a third or not. Um, I'm trying to think of the 70s when they were really good too I don't think Reggie Jackson did um, oh, there had to be somebody there um, I feel like there because they had quite a few 
good defensive players, especially when they were winning World Series. I mean, they won World Series in the 70s and the 80s there. Oh, wow. Um, I don't think McGuire won. <laughs> he was not a great fielding first base. No. And I, I don't think Canseco <laughs> either. Canseco? Well, maybe Canseco. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of him defensively? You think of the time he had a home run bounce off his head, so that's not exactly yeah, it's no, not exactly it's great not. defensively. But uh, let, let's maybe Bill North. Bill North uh, from seventy-one to eighty-one. Yeah, I'll go for it. Nope. He's a good center fielder, though. Yeah, uh, let's try to let's try to get Diamondbacks A's. Let's see if we can get anybody there. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody that would possibly be somebody. Um, well, we know Randy Johnson didn't. No, Randy Johnson didn't. <laughs> wrong West Coast team. Yeah, wrong. Yeah, no, he didn't play for Oakland. Seems like he played for about everybody else. Yeah, he played for the Giants. Um, Diamondbacks, though. A's and Diamondbacks, like though. Maybe, I want to say Sean Doolittle, but I, I don't know. Was there a stop between when he was in Cincinnati and Washington? I don't think it was Oakland. No. Well, no, he, he started in Oakland. He started in Oakland, and then he went to Washington. But then did he go to Arizona? Carl, I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, we're run, we're running out of time, so you know what? I'll yeah, I'll put ahead, him. Go. I'll put Doolittle. He did not. So seven out of nine. Average was six point three. So pretty solid. Let's go through the most popular player. Scherzer was the most popular player for Tigers, uh, Diamondbacks. Tramwell was the number one for Gold Glove, um, and Verlander was the number one for the Cy Young for the Tigers. Uh, Guardians, Trevor Bauer, right, he did start with the Diamondbacks. I forgot about that. Uh, he was number one. Uh, Lindor was the number one for Golden Glove for the Guardians and Corey Kluber. Then for Cy Young for the A's, Barry Zito was number one. Matt Chapman was the Golden Glove. And Eric Burns uh, was the number one, or the top answer for Oakland and Arizona. And uh, what was it? Oh, Catfish Hunter. Did Catfish Hunter win a uh, Cy Young? We'll, we'll look at that real quick. He did. Catfish Hunter did win a Cy Young. He won it in 1974. He was a, yep, he was an Asian. Had 25, had 25 wins with a 12 losses. A 2.49 ERA. Mm-hmm. Uh, started 41 games, had 318 innings pitched, and struck out 143. So, pretty solid year for that. That was the year he won. Uh, that's Cy the year Young. he won Cy Young. So, alrighty, Dad, thanks for calling in, doing the grid. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll talk with you later. So, go Brownies? Yeah, <laughs> except when they're playing the Colts. <laughs> talk to you later talk to you later dad but that is uh my dad carson blaylock there and uh time to uh make our surefire hot pick and just got enough time for 
that and oh there was one that i really wanted to pick but i i've i've forgotten it now uh let me let me look at some of the games tonight Let's see we've got astros red Sox. christian javier on the mound he's not played that well neither has chris sale uh, we're going to go, oh, that's what it was. Brewers, Cubs, Brewers are favored. Wade, or Cubs are favored. Wade Miley's on the mound against Jamison Tyone. Um, give me, give me the Brewers. Wade Miley, that's my surefire hot pick of the night. Wade Miley and the Brewers, uh, pull off the victory over the Cubs. The Cubs are hot, but so are the Brewers. And Wade Miley's on the mound, so... Uh, well, we'll, we'll give it to Wade Miley and Milwaukee. Reds baseball coming up 9-15 joint time on the Reds radio network right here on WATH. <laughs> 